comes across a little bit condescending, um, doesn't always finish his thoughts in a sermon, and will 100% make someone uncomfortable this morning. But today, I'm going to try to make you uncomfortable in a good, godly way. And here's the best news. You're getting two for one this morning. When Pastor Mike asked me if I could preach today, it was more than a month ago, and I immediately thought of a sermon I've been working on for quite some time. Next slide. The roles of women in the church. An easy layup sermon, right? No chance of ruffling feathers. I mean, we're Southern Baptists, for heaven's sake. Acceptable women's roles include children's church, nursery, women's ministry, and meals. Yeah, as you might imagine, I don't think that's right, and that's part of why I need to speak about this this morning. To make this even easier, this hasn't been questioned in the history of the Baptist church, except for right now when a major church in the denomination was uh, challenging that orthodoxy and has since been booted out. And whichever side of the coin you're on for the four churches that, were, um, that unsuccessfully challenged their expulsion from the Southern Baptist Convention over the roles of women leading in the church, we need to pray for them, pray for there to be a meeting of the minds sometime in the future, and for Christ to be glorified regardless of what happens. Amen? So I had my charge. I know what I'm preaching about. For those of you that don't speak publicly, that's a major hurdle. What am I going to talk about? However, as you might be aware, I help Stephanie, Jason, and Jamie in the youth ministry. And by the way, Jamie injured herself um, before camp, forcing her to wear a boot for the entirety of camp, So let, and they had to change their vacation plans because of that, so let's be sure to pray for her. And I wanted to share what we heard at camp. Uh, next slide. So it's a combo. You get the roles of women and the centrifuge recap. And I was told this morning that I have about 20 minutes. And generally, I told him I was, I'm done at about 8 or 9. So we're going we're gonna to give that a, give that a challenge this morning. Uh, this year for camp, we added another helper to the mix with Kira Strickland coming alongside and helping minister to the kiddos. She did a great job, and hopefully we didn't scare her away from serving in the future. I may have scared her away, however, when I said, you know, the rest of us are pretty tired, and um, we're going to probably need to bring someone a little bit younger to help us move this along moving forward. And she kind of gave me a look that I would call less than excited um, and more of a look of, I don't know who you're speaking of, but it isn't me. Uh, but we'll continue to work on her. With the youth, my assignment over the last several years has been the high school boys. Also an easy task, right? Dealing with boys who are coping with hormones, dealing with feelings for the opposite sex, figuring out they have a voice for the first time in their lives. They now understand that their parents stink at parenting. Those parents have lied to them over the years about a myriad of things. Um, there's not a positive ending to that statement, so just pray for me and anyone else that has or ministers to high schoolers. Um, at camp, we've had a very good speaker from Tennessee for the past two years. Um, this year, they changed it up and gave us a guy from Boston, and I thought he was awesome, and I think the students felt the same way, so I'm going to summarize some of what he taught because it was that good. But that will be the second part of what I speak about this morning. Next slide. So I'll try to keep this short um, and talk about the women, talk about the role of women in the church. At Harvest Hill, we don't make a big deal about affiliations. We're part of the Southern Baptist denomination, and because of that, we're part of the Southern Baptist Convention. Because we're Southern Baptist in Missouri, we're part of the Missouri Baptist Convention, the second image up there. And then locally, we're part of the Greene County Baptist Association. Now for my personal feelings about that. And what I'm about to say is not the official stance of this church, but my feelings. Um, it's good to have so many layers of support just in case we find ourselves in a bind somehow. 
Mike Haynes, the former director of missions for Greene County, was instrumental in helping us find Pastor Mike. My father-in-law is a retired director of missions, and before that, a Southern Baptist preacher, and a very good one. He was the pastor at my first church, and I owe him, the youth pastor at that time, and a couple of very close friends, including Melissa, my introduction to the gospel, following Christ, and examples of living like Jesus. Early on in my 15-year-old mind, I knew there were multiple churches of various denominations in our own town, across the state, across the country, across the world, so it was unlikely that denominations mattered that much. My poor youth pastor and pastor had to field my various questions about what we believed, why we believed it, why we needed to be affiliated with Southern Baptists, and more things of that nature. It was while Melissa and I were attending that church that we were introduced to Centrifuge and Mission Fuge, and we had very positive experiences. Fast forward many years. Melissa and I got ma were married. We moved to Missouri for my job. We found a solidly grounded Southern Baptist church to attend. But they had the same issues that all the other ch churches we had attended dealt with, but we just went along with it. After a few years, we moved to Stratford. We had Sam. And Pastors Craig and John put out a flyer advertising a new church plant at City Hall. Wanting to go to church where we live made sense to us. We gave it a try, and the rest is history. But here's the point I want to make. Next slide. Despite what anyone says about all Southern Baptist rules, traditions, and expectations when it comes to salvation, the only thing that truly matters is a personal relationship with the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else is just details. I do feel that Southern Baptists believe more of what I believe about the Bible and how we should, therefore, live. As I'm sure you've heard, the SBC messengers voted to expel several churches for having female pastors leading different areas of ministry. The churches can still be churches, they just can't be members of the SBC. Now, as you might have picked up, I'm not necessarily a denominational guy. Here's what I look for in a church. Does it preach the Bible and teach that it's inerrant? This means that all the words spoken from the pulpit are intended to proclaim the word of God to those in attendance and that the Bible is perfect, true, and not up for debate. Number two, does it claim that Christ is the only path to redemption, forgiveness for sins, and the only path to heaven? If it adds one path, to heaven for people who are of the age of accountability, age of accountability, run away. Number three, does it affirm that Jesus lived a perfect life, was beaten, crucified, died, and raised from the dead three days later? You'd be surprised to know that there are churches that never mention this. It's not in their statements of faith. It's never mentioned in sermons. And if that's the case, run away. Does it affirm that once we accept Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and we can trust him to guide our words, deeds, and decisions. And, as part of that, it must understand that the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, work together in perfect harmony. Church, that's it. That's the full list of everything that a church has to believe. Again, in my opinion. Do we need to try and fill Jesus' commands, like live like he did and love God and love people? 100% we do. But getting all up in arms about minutiae that are not included in what I just laid out there is a waste of time. In this church and all the other churches I've served in, if it wasn't for the dedicated women at that church, lots of things would fall through the cracks. To start with, the pastors, elders, and deacons would not be nearly as effective without our partners praying for us and encouraging us to do things. They see things that we don't see. I won't speak for all of us, but for, we, for me, for myself, my wife sees needs that I would never see. Um, and she lovingly, usually, brings them up um, so that something gets done. Um, yeah, I joked about the children's ministry and the nursery, 
But can you imagine if the men of our church oversaw and ran all of those things? I mean, they would get done, but who's going to volunteer? Kendrick, is he here today? I mean, you want Kendrick teaching your kids? I mean, anyway, fell kind of flat since he's not in here, but you know, whatever. Uh, the point is, it could be done, but not nearly as well as with women leading the charge. Meals. I don't know about this one. I mean, if a grill's involved, I put my culinary skills up against anyone in this room. But when it comes to almost everything else, there he is. There's Kendrick. Hey, buddy. Um, if it's not on a grill, you don't want me on that wall. But that doesn't mean that's all women should be allowed to do. In the capital C church, redemption in Christ gives men and women equal share in the blessings of salvation. Nevertheless, some governing and teaching roles within the church are biblically restricted to men. The Bible does have some clear-cut statements on who can serve in certain roles in the church, and I think we should look at those this morning. So next slide. On equality under God, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Next, on gender roles and relationships, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 3. Be imitators of me, just I also am of Christ. I praise you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Next slide. 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14. And this is Paul for a third time and I'm not sure why God saw fit to put Paul out on this limb over and over again, but here we are. So on gender roles within the church, 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 14. A woman must learn quietly with all submissiveness but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. She must remain quiet. For Adam was for, formed first and then Eve. I'm getting nervous just reading this. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, because she was fully deceived, fell into transgression. So let's stop here for a second. That passage can be taken as sexist and eliminating women from leadership. But rather than verses 11 and 12 not being being an overtly sexist statement about not allowing a woman to learn or ask questions or to teach or exercise authority. In the time it was written, Paul is saying that a woman must learn the scriptures. This was a radical and liberating departure from the rules of the Jewish leaders of the time who would not allow women to even learn about the word of God. Jesus broke those rules wide open. And here, Paul is encouraging female followers of, it was called the way back then, to go and follow Jesus' teachings. Essentially, followers of, followers of Jesus were the first to say that women also had a path to learn and that learning needed to come from Jesus' teachings. So before we throw Paul and his teachings into the fire, Paul was encouraging women to take advantage of the fact that they were no longer stuck with the Jewish, Jewish customs and laws, but Christ had opened biblical education to everyone. Additionally, Jesus appeared to women before he appeared, appeared in front of men after his resurrection. Jesus' first recorded words after he was resurrected were to Mary Magdalene. Mary had kept watch at the tomb, weeping for her crucified Savior, and even spoke to the two angels who were attending to the place where Jesus was, had been buried. So next slide. So John 20, 10 through 18. So the disciples went back, disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. As she wept, she bent down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in, in white sitting there, where Jesus, sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Mary replied, They have taken my Lord away, and I do not know where they have put him. Next slide. 
Verse 14, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Because she thought he was the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Verse 17, Jesus replied, Do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and informed the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what Jesus had said to her. It is this story right here that makes my blood boil when women are treated like second-class citizens. Jesus could have appeared to any number of the religious leaders who watched as his death sentence was handed down. You know, kind of a how-do-you-like-me-now situation. Jesus could have appeared to John, the disciple who he loved. Jesus could have appeared to Peter, since he was the oldest and boldest in Jesus' crew. Jesus could have appeared to Pontius Pilate or Caiaphas to show that their plot to end Jesus' ministry had failed. Nope. Jesus showed Mary Magdalene, the only follower of Jesus, who kept watch at his tomb. I found this gem, I guess next slide, I think. I found this gem on the gospelcoalition.org, written in an essay by Denny Burke. And I can share the link with anyone who wants it. But in essence, he says, God created human beings for his glory and his good purposes for us to include our personal and physical design as male and female. Being made in God's image as male and female is not a matter of one's own autonomous preferences. Rather, it is a part of God's beautiful design and plan. The Bible teaches that God has designed male and female as both equal and different. They are equal bearers of the divine image, equal partakers in the grace of life, and equal partners in the creation mandate. None of this precious equality equality diminishes at the biological and social differences that God has woven into his design of male and female. These beautiful differences are not contradictions, but complements. They are a part of God's magnificent plan to make his glory cover the earth as the water covers the sea. Beautifully said, Denny. So church, let's value one another. Let's respect one another. Let's love each other in a good, God-fearing way that doesn't count gender gender in the equation in any sort of negative way. Amen? And scene. I survived the first part of my sermon. Nobody got up and walked out. Hopefully I didn't say anything heretical to earn myself some sort of formal repudiation from the rest of the leadership team. No one got up and walked out, so that's good. So um, let's pray before we start part two. Father God, thank you for creating us in your image, male and female, with our own sets of strengths, weaknesses, giftings, shortcomings, um, passions, likes and dislikes, all the things that make us unique and known and loved by you. God, we lift up the churches who who were expelled from the convention. We pray for clarity on scripture, what they mean, and for an ultimate meeting of the minds between the concerned parties. God, we pray for your work to be done, whether we get down in the mud or not, to give us clarity in your purpose for our lives, Uh, to love you and to love people in the best way we can. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so survive that one. Moving on to the next one. So next slide. Yes, so Centrifuge, um, the focus was in his image. This is my third year going to church camp with Jason and the crew. I think I'm on to the set plan for the churches attending the camp in Bolivar, 
Year one, you get a good dorm. It may be a short walk to the main halls, but everything works. Every dorm room has a private bathroom and shower, and on and on. In year two, you're put closer to the main halls, but you share bathrooms with your neighbors, most of whom are other people from our church. Not a big deal, except when a certain neighbor forgets to unlock the door for us to access the bathroom, making it necessary to walk around to their door, find out that they're gone, and then you have to leave the building and go find a public restroom to do your business. That was last year. This year, and year three was a significant step down for the boys' dorm. We were put three-plus city blocks from the main halls. Um, The bathrooms were communal, and best of all, the showers were communal. Uh, Jason and I even had the special blessing of a a room with no door handle, just a deadbolt. So that that was a lot of fun. Uh, To make things even better, Pastor Mike informed us that it had been, quote, several years since that dorm had housed students for any reason. Cool, cool, cool. And to be honest, that fact showed its time, showed its face many times during our stay. We received an even better report on Thursday when one of the parents arrived to pick up their student a day early. We were informed that the dorm in which the boys were staying had been used by a local hospital as a COVID staging unit during the height of the pandemic. Yes. That's right, our rundown, grimy, door handleless room that we stayed in had been recently used to house people with COVID. Awesome. Nevertheless, we know that, especially during that week, Satan will use those things to take our focus off of Jesus through the good sermons and Bible studies that camp had for us. And camp was good. We had a different camp pastor this year versus the last two years. His name is Brian Owen, and he pastors a church in the Boston area. It was, however, distracting as the speech pattern and delivery would make you think, next slide, immediately of this guy, Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. Um, he's, he, plays Kip, he plays Napoleon's brother in that 2004 amazing movie, and I'm talking this man's speech pattern was exactly like Kip. Um, special thanks to Stephanie for pointing that out because I hadn't really noticed until she pointed it out, and then every time he spoke, I was like, my goodness, this is Kip preaching to us. Um, next slide. So the focus at camp for the entire week was in his image. Well, not in Kip's image, but in God's image. So a couple of his sermons spoke directly to me, and I thought I'd try to share as much as I can this morning. And students and leaders that went, um, you'll recognize what I'm saying, so if I don't get it exactly right, bear with me. But the scripture I'm sharing is from Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Next slide. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move on earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this passage tells us several things about God's character. Next slide. We were created out of a desire to share his love. God said, let us make humankind in our image. So who is us? Didn't God do all of this on his own? Well, sure, and I think you guys know, God has three distinct persons, Father, Spirit, and Son, who we know as Jesus. Next slide. And this is explained in John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God at the beginning, and all things were created by Him. And apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. And obviously, the Word being spoken of there is Jesus. So apart from Jesus, nothing that was created could have been created. Earth, moon, planets, galaxies... The entire universe and cosmos, which reminds me of Pastor Brian's Bostonian accent. When he said cosmos, he said cosmos. He said it the first time, and I kind of looked around and went, 
Anybody know what that means? And then it's cosmos. So anyway, um, it causes us to chuckle. The creation story is much more of a party happening than a story of building everything from scratch. God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus delighted in the creation and delighted in making all of creation. And this tells us something about God. In his very essence, from the beginning, he has been in community. This is why community is so important for us today. The existence of the Trinity teaches us to be in community with one another. God is totally sufficient. He has all that he needs in the Trinity. He did not create us out of loneliness or absolute necessity. He created us because he wanted us to share the love he experiences between himself, the Son, and the Spirit. And because God was in community, he knew it would be better for man to be in community. So let's look at the creation of woman, jumping back to the first sermon. Um, next slide. Oh, that's it. Genesis 2.18. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. How cool is that, that God recognized that man's walking around by himself? Anyway, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion for him who corresponds to him. So in this passage, the Hebrew word translated as correspond in the New English translation literally means according to the opposite of him. The Net Bible, N-E-T, New English Translation, a Bible note goes as far to say, this prepositional phrase indicates that she had everything that God had invested in the man. Different but equal, right, church? God wanted to have a relationship with you. He didn't need a relationship with you. God creates everything, including people, out of a desire to share his love. So again, point number one, he created people out of a desire to share his love. Next slide. The one who creates determines. God intentionally created everything that exists. It wasn't like he created something like a platypus and went, oops, shouldn't have done that. No. A creator has authority over what he or she creates. An example Pastor Brian shared is one that I can directly relate to. Did you know that there are attorneys who have the job of representing the people and companies that create and design fonts? Next slide. Fonts. Times New Roman, Helvetica, Imprima etc. Next slide. I like fonts like Calibri, Folks, Sickle, just classic sans serif fonts that aren't too fancy. That's details. Next slide. Um, on the flip side, if I visit a, a website and it's in Jokerman, Harlow Solid Italic, or heaven forbid, Comic Sans, I'm exiting that website post-haste and heading to the biggest competitor. There is no room in my world, nor there should be any room in anyone's world in this room for Comic Sans. To begin with, this famous Windows font, I'm talking about Comic Sans now, give me a break, uh, was, is a Windows font made for speech bubbles and comic books, not for general use. Next slide. There you go. There's, uh, yeah. Furthermore, an artist named Vincent Conner designed this font in 1994 as a child's font. Back to the point. Font attorneys exist because the creators of fonts have authority over it. Next slide. Pastor Brian received an email from someone claiming to be an attorney representing the creator of Helvetica New. Apparently, Pastor Brian had posted some sermon notes to his church's website with a Helvetica New, with Helvetica New, and the creator's attorneys had found it and flagged it for a lack of license to use the, use the font in a public venue. Pastor Brian almost, almost ignored it and deleted the email. He says he gets as much or more spam as any of us do. He's had his email address forever. So when he had just enough, just an inkling to send it to his tech team and ask if they indeed had a license to use, use the font. And sure enough, the team came back and said, yep, here's our license number. Send it back and we're good to go. All right. And we're all probably sitting here thinking, why are we talking about fonts this morning? 
Here's the point. If the creator of a font cares that much about how people use the font, how much more does God care about how we use our bodies, our time, our money, and our life's work when it comes to glorifying him? It's a lot more. How much does he love us? All right, here comes a whole bunch of scripture proving how much God loves us. So I'm going to read it. You're going to have to listen fast because I'm going to read it fast. 1 Peter 5, through 5, 6 through 7. And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourselves under his mighty hand by casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you, are, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Psalm fifty five twenty two. Throw your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the godly to be shaken. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. By this, the love of God is revealed in us, that God has sent his one and only Son into the world that we may live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Matthew 6, 30. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed in the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? Finally, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, tell your requests to God. That is so he can hear our requests and he cares about us enough to address them. The New Testament is filled with examples of Jesus' love for us and him showing us that his authority is better than ours. Where have you said to God, now I'm asking you, church, where have you said to God, I will not allow you to have authority in this part of my life? Is it your finances? Is it your time? Is it your earthly relationships with your spouse or kids or both? Let God direct every step of every aspect of your life, and it'll be so much better. So again, point number two, the one who creates determines. Next slide. Point three, if we are created, we have value and purpose. So let's go back to Genesis 126 and read just a little bit further. Next slide. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Next slide. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth, entire earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Verse 30, and to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air and to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has living breath in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all that he had made and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. So reread that passage. Land, sky, animals, etc. Good. People, very good. The Latin word for in God's image, or literally image of God, is imago Dei. Imago Dei, image of God. That means that all people have value because we're made in God's image. Many non-Christians don't believe that people have value. Lots of scholarly people have written volumes about how people have no value beyond what any living thing has. Pastor Brian gave us a long quote from a British mathematician who was verbose in his description, and it was like three minutes long, so I'm not going to put you through that. But essentially, it was a description of why people have no intrinsic value. We have, they, they said that there is no evidence that people have more value than a raccoon. Um, God's word shows us that people have intrinsic value. Intrinsic meaning belonging, belonging to the essential nature of a thing. 
Intrinsic value is part of the Christian belief system, but it works universally. For more proof that Christianity is important to creating a society, who do you think started hospitals? The very first hospitals, Christians. Who started the very first schools? Christians. Orphanage, orphanages, Christians. Valuing and caring for people was not a Greco-Roman idea. The Greeks did not care about the least of these. Followers started this through the Imago Dei and fleshed it out throughout the life of Jesus. The founding fathers were influenced by the Bible. God's word informed the founding of our union as well as the civil rights movement. All men were created equal. So we all have value. Next, purpose. Kings in the Old Testament called themselves gods, little lowercase g, pagans of the day. They would put a statue of the king in the city and tell people to worship the statue. They were literally saying, this statue of me is an image of God. But didn't God say, don't make, your, make idols in his image? Slide 30, or next slide. Leviticus 26.1, you must not make for yourselves idols, so you must not set up for yourself a card, carved image or pillar, and you must not place sculpted stone in your land to bow down before it, for I am the Lord your God. Do we know why God said that? God doesn't want us to do that because he already has an image of himself in humanity, period. Starting with Adam and Eve, we are the visual representation of God's image. Church, we are the image of God. Finally, Pastor Brian talked about how we are to use spiritual gifts that God has given us. Next slide. So from Galatians 5, through 26. This Bible just, let's just get through it. But I love the Bible, in case you guys are wondering. I've always been told if you preach the Bible, no one can complain. So from Galatians 5, through 26, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also behave in accordance with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, being jealous of one another. So practice these gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts of the Spirit, leadership, vision, administration, healing, tongues. Practicing these things shows that we're made in God's image. Maybe someone here even doesn't believe that all people have value, believe that some people are less than valuable. Pastor Brian had a great take on these attitudes. Are you illiterate, insane, or just set in your ways? His solution? Learn to read, get treatment for your mental health issues, and get unset in your ways because those excuses will not fly on the day of judgment. So since we're created, we have value and purpose, and that includes babies, children, and students, which is a good segue to the students coming to share. So do we have someone that volunteered to go first? Why not, brother? So as we have done in the past, we're going to invite a few students who are at camp to come up and share about the camp experience. Come on, brother. This is, this is your walk-up talk. Um, share about their camp experience that, you, that many of you helped fund with generous direct donations and participating in several fundraisers throughout the year. So thank you for that. Um, we had a terrific group of students go to camp this year, and for me to say so is quite something because I'm not the biggest fan of children. Um, but I guess these students are, you know, overcame that somehow. You want to come up and talk? There's no microphone up here, but you can talk into mine. Oh, you got one. It's on. Yeah. 
Last week at camp was great. I met a lot of new friends, and all the activities were fun, and I played this new game. It's called Archery Tag, and it's where you have a bow and arrow, and you shoot people. <laughs> Love shooting people. Um, we have video of showing Jet not mastering that at the very beginning, like well, two minutes before you got one to shoot, something like that? Well, it was upside down for the first five minutes until I figured that <laughs> out. Um, in worship, he talked about how we need to take our old self off and put our new self on, which means, like, which is your desires as your old self, and you need to be more like God and put on the new self and be more in the image of God. Um, before I went to camp, um, I was, like, not very close to God, but now, after I'm done, I'm a lot closer to God. And my favorite part about camp was probably worship because I love singing and learning the Word of God. Um, yeah, that's it. And I'd like to thank everyone who contributed to making this camp possible. Good job, Jen. Elliot. Oh, boy. One of the high schoolers that I minister to, so this should be interesting. Uh, okay, that's loud. Before I start, I hate public speaking, I hate sharing my feelings, and I did not get home until 1.30 last night, completely covered in custard from work, so I'm a little tired as well. All right, I meant to take notes, I really tried and just completely failed to write anything down, so I'm just going to wing it. The whole week at camp, I did not really want to be there. I had other stuff going on in my life. I'm trying to afford college, which is really expensive apparently, and <laughs> I was not the greatest person to be around. You can ask Charlie, my parents, Jet, Sam, anyone else who was there. I was not a fun person to be around, but every time I did have fun, it was usually at the expense of others, which isn't good, obviously, in his image, I should treat everyone the same, and that message didn't really hit me until a day after I got home from camp, when, it's going to sound weird, I saw a TikTok going over a Bible story about evil, which really, like, let me see, it wasn't, it wasn't God who was wanting bad on me, which is what I thought originally, and then while I I was watching it while waiting to go into a haircut appointment, and just everything from the entire week kind of hit me all at once, and I realized that I treat people wrong, I look at people wrong, and that I really needed to change how I go about interacting with other people and how I share my faith, which is also usually wrong. I do it in an argumentative fashion. <laughs> which that helped me reach out to a few of my friends who I knew were not Christians and I had good conversations with them and I feel like I've been doing better about not treating people harshly but it's still hard because evil is in my life and like my sister she was not here but we were at the lake last week I was not the nicest person to her and I was really trying hard to be I just, I don't know, I just couldn't do it, but, <laughs> but um, 
all of this. I learned a lot, but I didn't really comprehend it until after I got back, and it's helped me grow, which is good, and it's helped me be happier and make other people happier the best of my ability, and I've seen it positively impact some of my friends, which is good. Anybody else? Sam, did you want to share? You don't? Oh, that's true. You do. Miss Stephanie's coming to share. Going along with what Elliot said, there was a quote for the week that stuck out to me, and it was, he wants to steal your time, and this is Satan, he, Satan, he, wants to steal your time, kill your attention span, and destroy your Christian ambitions with a culture obsessed with trivial things, and it really hits, like, especially, like, the TikTok and Snapchat and all of the distractions that our youth have. They are in a completely different world than we were, well, me, when I was growing up, they have a different world. And um, I have some family that they've talked about how the internet is the antichrist. And while that sounds harsh, I'm like, it is a tool that Satan is definitely using to distract our youth and to keep our youth from being able to live um, a life for him because of the distorted images that they get to see whenever they are getting the the highlights of someone's life and when they're getting all of these things to become famous, like they aren't seeing how God created them. And so it's kind of exciting to me because I didn't realize it was a TikTok that made it all click for Elliot. Um, but we really, like I've been going to camp for a long time. I really am ready to retire. Um, but I have been working with youth since Jackson and Bree were in youth. I know, it makes me a little old, but the youth group that they grew up in is different than the youth group our kids are growing up in because the world is different. And we need to really be in prayer that they can see the image that God created them to be and that they can take themselves away from the distorted image that the world is giving them so that they can make a stand. Because we live in a nice little area. Like, it's not as bad as the coasts, we'll say. But our kids are still constantly getting the image of the world and thinking that that's what they're supposed to be living. And we need to be in deep prayer that they can see the image of God so that they can learn his gentleness and all of the fruits of the Spirit None of them are the sarcasm that we find in the world or the awful jokes that we play that are so funny. Um, they aren't getting the image of God presented to them. So we need to be praying for them so that they can not, because like I just keep going to this quote over and over because it's all of us. We all are obsessed with trivial things. And so it's keeping us from 
seeing what God is wanting us to see and presenting it in the world. Because there was another quote, really long quote. I won't say it, but I will tell you the highlight of it when I find it. Um, in all of our diversity, we can come together as a community to bear something of God's image in the world. And that's by Philip Yancey. And it was a really long quote, but that is the gist of it. Like, as a community of believers, we've got to come together, especially to help our young people so that they can continue to grow up into a community of believers. Because if they are at school um, and just doing what their friends are doing, they're being taken away from what God has planned for them. And there's so many excuses that we can have to not attend church or to not attend youth functions. That Those things are important for our youth so that they will have that stability of faith when they go to college. Because if we don't have our youth strong now, they aren't going to get strong when they are out on their own. All that I said about women. Here we go. Right. <laughs> Anybody else from camp want to share? Sam? <laughs> All right. I know it's scary to come up and share, so I appreciate that. Um, before we move on with the service, uh, I do have something else that the Lord put on my heart, and this is going to be quick. What kind of church do you guys want Harvest Hill to be? As Elder Mike, Pastor Mike, and I have meetings to try and cast vision for this church, we'd love to know what you guys look for in, in our church. Do we need to start having Sunday night services? Do we need to change up our Wednesday night service? Uh, do we need to be doing more service projects? Um, how can we get more of you involved in serving the church and the Lord? We have ministries in this church where the leaders have, n have never taken time off. They have started and they're still serving since the beginning. How can we serve together more and better make this church more of a magnet for the believers and non-believers in our community? Go ahead and throw up that last slide. Uh, Nate, Esther, Dave, Gary, and I went and helped Northside Christian Church. Oh, it's, it's like a picture, that, that one. Um, sorry. Uh, Nate, Esther, Dave, Gary, and I went and helped Northside Christian Church from Springfield put down some rubble, rubber mulch under a swing set at Bridges for Youth. In, of Stratford the other evening. Fourteen of us all together, and all we did was put that mulch down that we're standing on. We put that border up around the outside of it and then dropped the mulch. Um, we knocked that out in an hour and a half. It struck me just how encouraging one of the other Northside folks, of one another, the other Northside folks, the Northside church folks were, how they had good attitudes, they worked very hard, and how it seemed like they knew each other very well. I want that. And I'm guessing you all do too. So be in prayer for how we can be more like that. How can we can serve our community together? How we can encourage one another, not tear each other down, even jokingly. Um, we've got projects around our own church thing to be tended to. Um, but if you see something like what needed to be done at Bridges, please bring it to the leadership team. And final point, if you're here this morning and you're seeking truth, eternal life, hope, love, or all the above, I have good news for you. Jesus was sent, by, sent from heaven by God as a perfect representation of what holiness looks like. I'm doing this intentionally because last time I preached, I forgot to do this. He lived a perfect life, was crucified because he preached following God above everything else, including the government 
and the people of that day, led by the religious leaders, crucified him. God raised him back to life three days later, and now he reigns in heaven alongside God forever and ever. He empowers us with the third member of the Trinity known as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within our hearts, guides our steps, convicts us when we step out of God's perfect path for our lives. If you want to know more, if you've recently become a believer, I'll be standing down front. Elder Mike, Jason, somebody will be down there with me. Find a leader in this church. We will be more than happy to help you on your path to, to becoming a Christian. I'd like to invite the worship team to come up and lead music. If you need someone to pray with, if you need to talk about something, um, there'll be some of us down, like I said, right down here on the floor. Um, but again, I think it's important that we find a way, find ways to serve this community, shine the light of Jesus to um, the people around us. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for just everything you do for us, God. And God, I just pray um, if anyone is feeling any sort of inkling or feeling any sort of um, desire to come and make a decision for you to come and just talk about the journey that they're on, talk about anything that they have on their hearts so they would just come down and do that today, Lord. And God, I just pray that I didn't get in your way, that I didn't misconstrue anything. or I'm okay with stepping on toes, but I don't want to uh, step on your toes, Lord. So God, I just pray um, that you would remove anything that... Uh, any, any of the words I've said from people's memory and just let your truth shine through. In Jesus' name, amen.